Um, you know, when Bob and I talked about team teaching, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about this unfair advantage, and hopefully you shared a story about an unfair advantage, but he asked me to say, hey, Jeff, when have you ever actually seen or encountered or, or dealt with an unfair advantage? And I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm looking across at the wall, and I, there was a time, and I think we've got that picture maybe coming up here that I can share with you. It's probably in the side screens. Oh, is it side screens? I think so. Oh, okay. All right. There it is. So I thought about this team. This was my son's football team when he was in middle school, and I had an opportunity to coach this team. We were called the Warriors. And what was interesting about this club is that the you know, peewee football, I don't know if they have that up here. Do they have peewee in Great Falls? You guess some guys are nodding. You know how they have weight limits, right? Well, these, these young men, kids at the time, including my son, most of them were too big to play peewee. I mean, they were big and they were fast. We joined the Mile High Club. We were called the Warriors. Good name, right? And we dressed all in black, right? It, before black was really in, this was like 93, 94. And I got to show you, I got to walk over here. But this guy in the back row here on the very right, he's about six foot tall. So it tells you for seventh and eighth grade how big these guys were. My son, by the way, the shrimp here, number 90, he didn't make the back row. But he ended up going on and playing Division One college football. He's about 6'2 and 230. Uh, great team. But the thing about them was when we took the field, it was unfair. It was an unfair advantage. We were bigger, we were faster, we were stronger, and we never got beat. We were undefeated two seasons in a row, and I always felt sorry for the other team because they'd, they'd show up in their white pants and their nice tops. And, you know, they, they were good, good teams, but we, we dominated. And this was what you know, when he, he mentioned an unfair advantage, I thought about the Warriors. Today, though, we're going to talk about the spiritual battle. And, uh, Bob, we've been talking about the armor of God and how we're in the spiritual battle day in and day out. And I want to take you to a, a point in, in this where Paul talks about a big unfair advantage, kind of like the Warriors, right? A big unfair advantage. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, if you open them up, if you use a Bible app, I think it's going to be up on the screen here. We're going to share from Ephesians, Paul's letter to Ephesus, chapter 6, verse 12. He said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know, uh, Bob talked about our theme for this being how God fights for us. We've also talked how Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, how he, after that, descended into hell, and he conquered, he beat Satan. Head to head, he beat Satan, and he took Satan's authority away. But we also know that Satan isn't completely defeated yet, is he? These forces of darkness, I mean, everybody's been paying attention to the news this week? Yeah, it's gotten really dark. Minnesota, Baton Rouge, Dallas, you know. And, you know, the Bible teaches us that Lucifer, who used to be the the son of the morning star, he was the highest angelic creation that God had. When he rebelled against God, when he wanted to be God, in a nanosecond, God kicked him out of heaven. But he came here. He came to the earth. And he still rages here in the earth. We know that that battle, until Revelation, when Jesus comes back and chains him up and throws him into the pit of hell, We've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with this battle. And uh, 
First Peter 5.8 says, He, Satan, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We know he's a liar. We've talked about how he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So the question is, for those of us that are in the room, if the devil still has this much power over the earth, how do we stand against him? How do we stand against him? You know, and the conclusion that you first think of is the battle's not fair, right? The battle's unfair. We're up against an eternal, immortal enemy that can only be defeated by God. How do we fight that battle? And, you know, I was thinking about this before the service because we had a lot of prayer time, you know, and, and we talk about how unfair life can be, and I thought about those families in Dallas or in Minnesota or Baton Rouge and how unfair the battle seems to them, you know. And we talked, Bob just talked about the cancer that's taking over uh, some relatives, some people in the room, you know, and how it's spreading and how unfair that is or how unfair temptation can be. I've got a good friend in uh, Bozeman who uh, his son just had a relapse with alcohol and he's back in jail this week and, and how unfair that is or uh, how unfair depression can be, you know, when you battle it, battle it and it gets better, and then it comes back. And you know, the truth is, the battle that we fight on this planet, it is unfair, isn't it? It is unfair. I'm going to have Bob unpack a little bit more of this for you. We go to Ephesians 6 some more, and we read a, a couple more things that we've been going over for the last couple months. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. I'm not going to read all the verses there, but I just want to highlight a couple things. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And I talked a little bit about that in our intro, the schemes of the devil. Now, Jeff said that, you know, he prowls along around like a, a roaring lion, but Jesus got the victory. And now as children of God, we can experience that victory because of what Jesus has already done. And to me, that gives me great comfort. A lot of times we don't exercise our position that we have. And we talked about what position that we hold with the, with the armor that Jesus provides for us. He provides for us a belt of truth, so we stand on the truth. He also provides a breastplate of righteousness, and we stand on his righteousness, and that gives us a, a right living because of what Jesus did. We talk about the shoes that are on our feet. That gives us a firm footing, and that's the gospel of peace. That's the truth that comes from the good news of what Jesus did in his sacrifice. We also talked about taking up now the shield of faith, and what that does extinguishes those fiery darts that might come at us from the enemy. We talked about putting on our helmet of salvation, and what salvation does for us, it takes away our past, it protects us in the present, and we have a future salvation in heaven with Jesus and with everybody else that calls Jesus Lord and Savior in their lives. And then we talked about the sword last week, and that is the word of God. And that is our weapon that we can use to destroy the works that the enemy is trying to do in our lives. And now with this last message, we're going to read one more verse. And this ver verse shows us how the battle is unfair. Look at with me now in verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And here's what I see in verse 18. The battle is unfair. 
It is unfair when we experience cancer in our lives or those that are around us. It is unfair when maybe temptation gets the better of you or gets the better of me. And it is unfair when depression attacks our mind. But here's the thing. The battle is unfair because we, you and I, we have the unfair advantage. We have the unfair advantage. The advantage we have, I'm going to call a secret weapon this morning. We have the advantage and we have a secret weapon. I don't know how many of you watch James Bond at all, but the new reboot of James Bond has been pretty exciting to watch. Great movies. And there's somebody in that movie that helps the double O's with what they're doing. And that's Q. So watch this video real quick. Yeah, I love that, uh, that exchange. If you ever get a chance to watch that whole exchange, it's really cool because that's the new Q, right? Q stood for quartermaster. And the quartermasters in any army, any military, supply the soldiers, right? And these Qs always came out with the, uh, the secret weapons. In the old one, you had the exploding pen. But today, we want to just kind of set this up that both Bob and I are going to be your Qs, okay? And you're the double O's. And you know what? This is a true story. You are licensed to kill. Bob talked about how with the sword of the Spirit, right, that you can kill, that you can demolish strongholds. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10.4 says that the weapons of what we, we work with are weapons that are not of this world. And they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what I want you to know this is this. Your secret weapon, our secret weapon, is prayer. It's prayer. And there's three secret weapons, there's secret components of prayer, features that I want to share with you. I'm going to share with two. Bob's going to share one. The first one is the rapid fire feature. We're calling it rapid fire. And this is a great visual of what rapid fire can be. This machine gun can actually fire up to 800 rounds per minute. The challenge is it can only hold 200 in the magazine. But what I want you to think about is in prayer, having a machine gun like this that never runs out of bullets as long as you're always praying at all times, okay? And in a battle where you have an enemy with a bow and an arrow or a bow and a dart and a guy with a machine gun, you, me, who wins that one? We win that, yeah, but we have to be praying at all times. The prayer Paul talks about here gives us, this is the neat thing, Prayer gives us that unfair advantage. It sounds like the enemy has it, but we have it through prayer. But it's all about praying at all times. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I think, how can I do that? How can I pray at all times? We got got, work, we got kids, we got lives. How do we pray at all times? And maybe the Son of God, I'm sure he did it. But I'm just, I'm just a regular guy. You know, how do I pray at all times? Well, it's a different kind of prayer. And we have to change our kind of our mindset about prayer, okay? I mean, when I was growing up, prayers were just dinner table prayers, right? Which are good prayers, but they went on for about 15 or 20 seconds, and then they were over. You know, and that was my prayer life for a long time. And as I grew a little bit in the Lord, uh, I started to have a little bit more formalized structure, which was like a three, four, five-minute prayer, um, you know, where I would just get down and pray to God. And that's a great prayer, but it's not praying at all times. We want to talk about our praying at all times as being in connection with God at all times, right? And we have to look at prayer a little bit differently because we have two ears and one mouth, right? 
We don't have to be talking the whole time. And God put that on my heart. But I want to share with you something. How many of you have one of these? Self, everybody got one with them? <laughs> so let me ask you this. This, like prayer to God, like communication, this is a lifeline for us, isn't it? We actually survived without these before, didn't we? That's how old we are. Yeah. But I, I don't know about surviving with it now. Without it, I left yesterday from Bozeman, and guess what? I left this at home. Guess what I did? You turn. I better have it, right? Have you guys ever lost one of these? Show of hands. What's, what's that feeling like going through your head? Not good, right? I mean, verging on panic. And why is that? Have you ever dropped one of these? <laughs> Everybody? They're getting better, aren't they? They're getting better. Um, there's that new commercial. Have you seen the guy that's fumbling the phone and he's running through town? Have you seen that? He's trying to catch the phone. Uh, it's just brand new. Anyway, he, he chases it through town. He goes all the way to his house, gets out to the backyard. It falls into the rocks, into the water. And, he, and you know, there's that moment like you, when you've dropped it and it's face down and you're like, I don't even want to look, right? Please, God, please, God. You, oh, thank God. It's, it's alive. My son, though, the engineer down in, down in Billings, he put his in his pants and sent it through the washer. iPhone 6, have you done that? Did not survive. No. He was out of con- connection. It, it, the interesting thing is, is that's the kind of connection, that's the kind of desire that we have to have in prayer. Amen. Amen. That we're connected to God all the time. Just like this, we, we should be as frantic about that. You know, it, it reminds me too, how many of you can you remember your first love, your first, your, maybe it's your current love? Do you remember talking to him on the phone? You know? And there were times where you'd be laying on the bed and you just set the phone next to you and keep talking because you didn't want to quit talking to them. That's the connection that God wants with us. That's the connection. And it's not always talking. A lot of times you're just listening, right? You're just listening. So the kind of prayer that we're talking about here go on all day. It's a continual communication between us and God. You know, it's that praying at all times. It's uninterrupted. And it's turning on that prayer life like your phone when you first get up in the morning and saying, good morning, God. Good morning, Jesus. You don't have to come up with a formal prayer. I think we struggle with that. I've got to have these fancy words. God just wants to hear from us, right? He just wants us to make connection in the morning and then stay connected with him all day. And you never have to worry about losing God. You never run out of bars with him. He's always available, right? He's always available. You know, uh, there's a song that I've been listening to on the radio. I listen to K-Love a lot. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Breathe by Johnny Diaz. Yeah? You guys have heard it? I wrote it down. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) But the opening line goes like this. It's kind of like our day. Alarm clock screaming. Bare feet hit the floor. It's off to the races, right? Everybody out the door. I'm feeling like I'm falling behind. It's a crazy life. And then in the chorus, and, that, and this is Johnny, and I, it's like he's praying. And Jesus goes, in the chorus, he goes, breathe. Just breathe. Come and rest at my feet. And be, just be. Chaos calls, right? But all you really need is to just breathe. That's what God wants from us in prayer, is just to be with him. We don't have to articulate these formal prayers. I know he wants to hear from us. But he, it's like your kids, right? If you have kids or grandkids, sometimes they just want to come and be with you and they want to sit with you. They don't need you to explain a bunch of stuff. They just want you to be 
with them. So we're calling this rapid fire because you're constantly in connection. And if you can practice that all day long, you're always ready for the battle when something comes at you. You're always ready to connect and be with God. So your first secret weapon is rapid fire. The second one we're calling the remote control feature. I'll try not to stand in front of my visual. But being up here in Great Falls, I'm sure a lot of the uh, guys in the room, the Air Force guys, can recognize a a drone, right? This is a remote-controlled weapon that we use with a lot of devastating results, actually. But the guys that run these, that, that control these, are over here in this country, you know, and they're halfway around the world. And the thing about this drone is, I, I did geeked out on it because I like this stuff, is it can, it can, it can literally uh, orbit over a target for up to 26 hours at 20,000 feet. They can't see it. They can't hear it. And it, it's just watching. It's, it's alert. It's watching. It's persevering. And then when the time comes, if necessary, it can devastate some pretty devastating firepower. This is the kind of thing that remote control prayer. Paul says making supplication or intercession, standing in the gap for all of the saints, for all the believers. When you're praying for somebody, this is the kind of prayer that this is, where you're actually praying out for somebody. Paul says keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. In another version, he says stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So this kind of prayer is one where you're battling for other people. And usually it's for people right now that are going through issues in their lives. They're, they're, they're too weak to pray or t- there's too much grief. There's too much sorrow. I think of those families in Dallas or those families. You know, there's so much grief there. If they're believers, they're struggling so hard. That's who needs intercessory prayer. You know, and sometimes I need that too, you guys, you know, or Bob needs that. We need you to pray for us, and every one of us in the room needs prayer. And group prayer is powerful. It's, it's this kind of power right here. And what I want to share with you, these connect cards, we really value these, and I keep hitting these, but there's a spot on the front that says, how can we pray for you? If you need prayer, mark that down, because there's a, there's a team here, there's a team in Bozeman that pray over these. Okay, so don't be afraid to ask for prayer and don't be afraid to pray for others. And there's one other thing I want to talk about with this remote control. And I've just been learning this lately. And that is, and I've got to share this, and this sounds contrived, but it's not. Thursday night, I mean, I went to bed early. I woke up about midnight and I could not get back to sleep. I didn't know what, and I sleep pretty good. I couldn't, so I, you know, usually now I'm learning if, it's, if, if God wakes me up, I, it's time to study word, I thought, well, you know what, he just wants me to start working on this message and start, you know, so I could, I could bring it here. But uh, I got up, I prayed, I studied, and I studied the Bible a little bit, and I was still wide awake. And I thought, what is going on? So I clicked on my computer, right, and read about Dallas. And I believe that God calls us, the double O's in the room, right? He calls us up sometimes to wake up in the middle of the night, and sometimes you just have to get up if you don't know what it is and just start praying. Because somebody else is praying that you're going to pray. And that's what we're called to do is stand in the gap. So there is that thing. And we're going to, in a little bit, Bob's going to lead us in that. Because right now, this country needs prayer, doesn't it? This present darkness is beyond belief. And we need prayer. So Bob's going to unpack, though, the last part of the secret weapon. All right, so we have rapid fire. We have remote control. And now the last 
feature that we're going to talk about is the superpower feature of this prayer. And it has actually two components within that superpower feature. Paul tells us that this secret weapon against the enemy is praying at all times in the spirit. Praying at all times in the spirit. Now last week we talked about uh, how the Holy Spirit guides us into using God's word as a weapon. We've talked about that a few times today. But this secret weapon that we have is the Holy Spirit's help in prayer. If you go to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So what is that talking about? It's talking about a couple different things here. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is that sometimes you hear a voice. Now, it's not audible, but it's kind of like a presence. And you you hear this or you sense this presence. You hear this voice. It's like an, an inner prompting to pray in a particular way. That's the Holy Spirit trying to work in and through you. Sometimes it happens while you're praying individually, privately, but sometimes it happens when you're praying for somebody. I know this happens to me quite a bit, is that I just lay my hands on somebody and I'm praying for them, and as we just spend a few moments in God's presence, just listening and praying, then something might come to my mind, and I might pray that a specific direction over somebody or something like that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit in order for me to pray something over somebody. I I know that happens to me, like I said, uh, quite often. It happened when the Destiny International folks were here. They they really liked liked to wait on the Holy Spirit and and let the Holy Spirit just give them direction in their prayer time and, and when they were getting ready for service and stuff like that. That was a neat thing to see with that team here from from Washington just waiting on the Lord waiting on the Holy Spirit to just speak to us and that that's the first thing now there is another layer of meaning when we talk about this as well the Holy Spirit can also give what we call sometimes a special prayer language I don't know if you've ever heard about that before, but, but that's what we call it, is a special prayer language. And this isn't an English language. And when we pray this supernatural language, we are praying God's will. And that's really exciting. The Bible also refers to this as speaking in tongues. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, or maybe you've sat under some teaching that talked about that before, but this is what we're talking about now. This is part of this secret weapon in prayer. In 1 Corinthians 14:2, it says this, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter the mysteries by the Spirit. So here we see Paul talking about but what I'm talking about right now. Now I'm talking about praying in this language. And Paul also goes on later in chapter 14 and talks about the gift of tongues with an interpretation for the, the whole body to be edified. And that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That is true, and that's a gift, but I'm talking about this private prayer language that we receive. And I remember uh, many, many years ago, I was probably walking with Jesus for maybe two years or so. And I had heard about this tongues, and, and I desired it, and I was praying for it, and I had people pray over me, but I was getting kind of frustrated because nothing was happening. 
And at the particular church that I went to, they taught on this, and I thought it was really neat and interesting, and it was something that I desired in my life. Well, one of the elders talked with me, and he said, Bob, you just got to relax. You just got to relax. He said, don't seek the gift. Desire, desire it, but don't seek it. What you need to do is you need to just seek Jesus. Just seek Jesus and develop your relationship with Jesus. And then if God gives you this prayer language, then God gives you the prayer language. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. You're still saved. You're still a Christian. The Holy Spirit still resides inside of you. But just relax. And I'm like, okay, I'll just relax. Well, it wasn't too long after that that a special speaker came in. And once again, I was, I was down being prayed for and I received my pr- prayer language. Now, I know there's many of us here in this room that you do have that prayer language. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I also know that there's some people that maybe have never heard this before. My advice to you is just to seek Jesus. Now you know about this speaking in tongues that I'm talking about, this prayer language that I'm talking about, and you may receive your own very prayer language. But it's a part of prayer. It's another component of prayer. And we've classified that as our secret weapon of prayer. So here's, here's why that is part of the secret weapon. When Paul says we can pray at all times in the spirit, I understand that to mean that I'm always connected to the spirit. And I'm praying. And I talked about that aspect. Is this praying according to what the Holy Spirit, what I feel the Holy Spirit is leading me to do? And then when my words run out, then that's where the tongues takes over. And the Holy Spirit and my spirit, we just have this communication, communication between me and God. And then when that runs out, then the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. This is what Paul is talking about. And this is really a great aspect of prayer. It's a great aspect of prayer. So this is our unfair advantage. Prayer is our unfair advantage. The rapid fire, the remote control, and the superpowered. And there's many different aspects to each one of those. And there's probably a couple more uh, aspects of prayer that we can talk about. But those are the three that we decided to talk about today. But let me tell you why this is even possible. It's possible because of Jesus. Always comes back to Jesus. It's possible because of what Jesus did. The Bible tells us, that Jesus prayed constantly. If you read through the Gospels, probably many of you have done it many times, he prayed early in the morning. He prayed late into the night. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for us. That's really cool. He prayed for us. He prayed for people who opposed him. And as he was dying, he had one last prayer. And I want us to take a look at that real quick in Matthew 27, verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma shavakthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Look at, let's stop for a moment. Look at what's happening here. Jesus was always connected to the Father. He said that I and the Father are one. The power of Jesus' prayer was his connection to the Father. But on the cross, taking on the sins of the world, the sins for you and for me, taking on those sins of all mankind, his Father had to turn his back on him. 
And that's the moment that we're talking about right now. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus took on the sins of the world alone. He took on the sins of the world alone. His last prayer before he died was the sorrowful cry of abandonment. But he did that for you and he did that for me. Jesus became disconnected from the Father so that you and I could be reconnected to the Father. He became disconnected so that we could be reconnected. Now the story doesn't end there. Jesus died and, and, and Jeff talked about this. He conquered Satan. He rose again in victory and we can stand victorious with Jesus because of the sacrifice that he did. And the reason that I can have uninterrupted connection in prayer with God was because of that. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus took. And God will never abandon you. And God will never abandon me. Jesus took that horrible punishment for you and for me so that we would never have to experience God turning his back on us. That's powerful. And we can be powerful in prayer because of the remarkable gift that Jesus gives us. Now, we, Jeff talked about praying. We're going to pray for our nation here in a little bit, but I want all of this to bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I thank you once again for your sacrifice. Thank you for the gift of salvation that you make available to each one of us because of that sacrifice. God, it's remarkable that we can stand in victory over the schemes and the, and the, the strongholds of the enemy because of what you've done. We are your children, and I just say thank you so much for that. But God, I know that there might be some here that maybe aren't walking with you. And now I'm speaking to each one of us that you would let God speak to your heart. Maybe you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. Well, you'll have an opportunity here in a few moments. Or maybe you walked with him for a while and now, man, just life has taken you so far away from where you were at. You can have a reconnection here this morning. So God, as we're bowed in your presence, our eyes are closed and our, our heads are bowed, God, I would just pray for each one of us. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me as I pray. I'm just going to pray this prayer over each one of us. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be the sacrifice for my sins. It's personal today, for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross, that you rose again, and that because of that selfless act, I can be made brand new here today. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to lead my life. I call you the Lord and Savior. I call you the boss of my life here this morning. Take control. I release control to you. I pray that you will guide my future steps, that you will keep me in this relationship with you. Keep reminding me of this time here this morning. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, that's an exciting day if you said that prayer for the first time or maybe it's a reconnection for you. I want to transition us into a time of prayer, though, for our nation. So those of you, I've talked with several people before our teaching time here. If you want to take your spot over uh, by the cross, we're going to have time for prayer. If you feel that you you just have a need that you want somebody to agree with you in prayer for, uh, the prayer team is available for you. Maybe you don't this morning, but what we need to do as a church body, as, as believers, is come together and pray for our nation. Jeff talked about the Baton Rouge, Minnesota, Dallas. Man, there's just a lot of stuff going on right now. I want to pray for unity. I want to pray for a healing of our nation. I want to pray for hope and for love. And I think when these things happen, God's people need to rise up. Now, we don't need to rise up and go to the streets, but we need to rise up in prayer and intercede so that God's love would be shown, first of all, through his church. And then secondly, that God's Holy Spirit would be felt by those in this nation. There needs to be some healing, and it needs to happen, and that's where we can intercede, take up the position of prayer for our nation and for its people. So Ryan's going to lead us in a song. If you want to gather around and and go to the back and pray, some people like to pace pray. I do that sometimes. If you want to come forward and worship and pray, if you need a special prayer and you want to agree with the with a prayer team, go ahead and do that. But I just want to make this right now just a time for us to be praying, praying for our nation, praying for God's love. So why don't we all stand as Ryan leads us? You know, last night was one of those nights that uh, God woke me up again. And just, I think a lot of our hearts are hurting in this country right now. And, you know, I always look back, um, you know, I was talking to a young, young lady here that was telling me that she loves history, and so do I, and how history is the best teacher. And I was looking at, you know, the high point in Israel's existence was when they built the temple, right? Second Chronicles 7.14. And right at that point when they built the temple, they heard from God. It says, one night, this is Second Chronicles 7.12, it says, one night the Lord appeared to Solomon, And he said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. God bless the temple. But he says at that point, the highest point, everybody's, it's a high point. He says, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. And that's kind of the way this, this week has felt for us, that the battle is unfair, and sometimes God, where is God in all this? But then he says, then, this is 2 Chronicles 7, 14, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. I will restore their land. That's good news today. It's good news. Let's just finish in prayer. God, thank you. Sometimes it's through tragedies when you, you don't send it, but it, ha- it hits us. We're in this battle, Lord, and, 
And the enemy is seeking to destroy and devour and kill and steal. And there are times when this, we see this and we go, where are you? But when you hear us, God, people that are called by your name, that's us. If we'll just humble ourselves and we'll pray. We talked about that day and we'll seek your face. You will hear from heaven. God, you will forgive our sins. Thank you. You forgave our sins on the cross. And you will restore our land. And we just pray for that like Bob talked about. Pray that you would restore this land. There would be a mighty revival that would spread across this land. And we just claim it in the name of Jesus. We pray Jesus' authority and the power of Jesus would turn this, this country back to you, God. So we thank you for this time. Thank you for this worship. Thank you that we can gather together and learn how to pray more effectively. And we just pray this in the awesome, powerful name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. We got one more, Ryan? You sure do. Awesome. All Go right, ahead. Guys. This morning has been fantastic. We're going to close out.